Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with the Oscar-nominated co-director of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Justin K. Thompson. I can hear you being quiet, Mom. I, um, hope I didn't ice your game, man. No one my age says those words in that order. It's just hard to see my little man not being my little boy all the time. Yeah. For years, I've been taking care of this little boy. Making sure he is loved. That he feels like he belongs wherever he wants to be. He wants to go out into the world and do great big things. Not bad, kid. And what I worry about most... I love you, Miles. ...is they won't look out for you like us. Miles! Want to get out of here? Wherever you go from here, you have to promise to take care of that little boy for me. Make sure he never forgets where he came from. And he never doubts that he is loved. And he never lets anyone tell him that he doesn't belong there. All right, Justin, welcome to the podcast. And thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to me about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which you are nominated for an Oscar for, sir. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I mean, it was kind of a foregone conclusion, I felt like, uh, that this film would be showered with praise and awards. Did it Did it ever feel like that for you guys when you were making it, that you felt like the world would embrace this film the way that it has? E- not only equaling the success of the first film, but even going beyond it at the box office, I think the reviews have been stronger. Wow. Yeah, uh, thanks for saying all that, first of all. You know, I, I don't think while we were making it, we thought we were going to be making a film quite as as uh, as beloved as it seems to have become and we're extremely grateful for that um i think while we were while we were making it we were just concerned about making a good movie yeah. and and honestly between the three of us um between Joaquin de Santos and Kent Powers and myself we were just really concerned that we were telling the story of Miles coming of age and the coming of age story of his parents who were like having to deal with their kid leaving home and 
Miles finding out that the world is a much more dangerous place than he expected it to be, while also making this incredible spectacle of a film as a backdrop for all of that drama to play out against. I think we were just trying to make a good movie. And when we saw the reviews, I mean, we were um, kind of overwhelmed, but I mean, obviously we're grateful, but um, I don't think we ever thought that we were going to be fortunate enough to make a movie that good as people are telling us, but it's um, it's been kind of, it's been kind of amazing. Yeah. I mean, I think I told you when I, sat with you guys yeah. in the National Board of Review. I was like, I really feel that there has been this shift that has been happening within the world of animation. And the Spider-Verse films have been at the forefront of this conversation of uh, getting the world to take animation, not just more seriously, but I really do feel like there is a kind of this boundary-pushing era that we're in where the limitations or supposed limitations of animation are being broken down. And we're starting to see that there are uh, new feats to uncover. And some of them are ones that you wouldn't even necessarily expect as this film kind of shows and proves to us. Yeah. You know, I've been doing this for 30 years. Um, yeah. I started out in television. I was, um, I, I've done everything from character design to storyboards to um, directing episodes of, you know, of television shows. And then I got into art direction and production design. Then I moved into features when I met Phil and Chris and I've worked with them for 15 years um, on all of these things, like learning how to make films since Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. And then, you know, getting to where we are now. When I started out 30 years ago, you know, I was drawing in pencil. I was drawing and painting in pencil. And it was so, like, difficult to make an entire film by yourself. People had tried before. And... I think we're at a point now where it's this incredible point in history where technology makes it possible for filmmakers to make different types of films and make them on much smaller with much smaller crews, make them with much smaller budgets, but also tell any kind of story. I truly believe animation is a is the ultimate medium to express oneself through you can control every single pixel on screen you can decide what the weather is you can decide what time of day it is you can change them on a dime you can you can make anything appear on screen and you can make it feel believable and you can add um any kind of uh, you can add any kind of imaginary situation to 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 underscore the drama of these human experiences that we all share and you can do it in a way that feels expressive and it feels intuitive. And I think before the barrier was honestly that you needed an army of people. Now you get movies like Persepolis and you get movies like, you know, you get movies like uh, Marcel the shell, you know, and, and that are just movies that are so fun and they feel like that filmmaker's personal expression and even though this was the three of us making this movie um you know and we had a team of a thousand people one thing it allowed us to do was do things that like even when i was making like 15 years ago when we we're making cloudy would have been like impossible and so it opens up the the avenues to different filmmakers 
to different people who want to express different authorships, different types of auteurs. And I think we're finally at a point where we're starting to see that the capability and the time, the capability of, of, of the, the medium is starting to invite filmmakers who might have stayed away from it because it did feel like it was limited in what you could do with it. Yeah. Because just it was so cumbersome. But now I think it's become so nimble and it's become so expressive that I, I really hope that it is it we are it is gonna we are gonna see a new age of of films that are personal and authored by people. Um and like we tried to do on this one. Yeah. Well, you were saying before you work with Joaquin uh, and Kemp on this as uh, co-directors. Yeah. Who decides uh, who oversees what and like what is the workflow process like when you have not one, not two, but three directors working on a project? Yeah. Well, a film of this scope is so big yeah. that, I mean, you're making six dimensions, making basically six movies at once. And our 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 story is so has is so layered and has so many moves and our camera work and our animation is so complicated. And all of this is being done simultaneously yeah. in all these different rooms. And so naturally we all at some point for the first couple of years, we're all together in one room and we're learning each other's tastes and we're saying, ah, and we could do this and we could do that. And like, oh yeah, what about this? Yes and yes and yes and. Mm-hmm. But at some point, just the the demands of production where where everybody can't be in one room at the same time because editorial has to be happening simultaneously while animation is happening and while lighting is happening we all have our personal expertise me being a production designer i'm going to be focusing on lighting it just it kind of becomes natural like you you kind of go with where you you your you your experience leads you to the to the most natural place for you to be doing this stuff. Yeah. And you know, where where you're going to where you're going to be the most useful and the best friend to the film. And mm-hmm. so for me, because I'm a production designer, my background is I'm I'm so familiar with how the lighting works, how the texture works, how how to get a brush stroke to move on screen and like how to place it in three-dimensional space. And I'm so familiar with like how to create all these different textures and how to control it and how to organize it and do that. So I'm going to naturally spend most of my time there. Kemp is one of the best writers I've ever met. Um, obviously, he wrote One Night in Miami and Soul, and they're both brilliant. He has a mind for story. So he spent a lot of his time working with Phil and Chris uh, in, in edit on the story um, and making sure that that was going well, because we are always making changes throughout the entire process. And Joaquim is just a brilliant, um, he's a brilliant uh, uh, animation director and he's a brilliant storyboard artist. So who comes, who's made many, many amazing television series and like, you know, small direct-to-video type features over at Warner's. He's an incredible choreographer. So when working with the camera and the animators, we kind of just naturally divide along our the, the, our own personal along the lines that suit our personal strengths, and then come back together at the end of every day, at the end of every week, and we sort of go, how did it go in lighting? How did it go in camera? How did it go? What did you deal with there? And like, oh, maybe we should do this. Maybe we should do this. Oh, and if you're going to do that, and it was constantly like coming, going away, you know, uh, you know, spreading apart, and like 
to our to our strengths and then coming back together and making sure that we're all on the same page. So what I'm hearing is I have you and hundreds of artists to thank for the uh, pastel uh, animation of Gwen Stacy's uh, storyline in this uh, movie, because that has its own unique look that had not previously been seen. It felt like uh, prior to this. Wow. Well, thanks. It was a personal like joy for me, like to actually make that movie. Uh, sorry, to, to build that dimension with our with our crew, yeah. um, because um we, you know, from from the beginning when I was, if, I, if not from the beginning, if I look back to when I was very young, you know, I was watching things like, like What's Up or Doc, and you know, which is like a Bugs Bunny cartoon where Bugs Bunny is chasing around Elmer Fudd, and he's singing, and there's all these creative choices that Maurice Noble, one of the greatest art directors and production designers of all time, um, he he did all these lighting changes and texture changes and color changes, you know, that were so expressive. And then I, I remember watching Cinderella as well and being blown away as a child. And, you know, specifically there was a scene where Cinderella is confronted by her evil stepsisters and they start tearing off parts of her dress and it changes color and texture yeah. from like red to blue to green to orange. And then she drops to the ground and it kind of goes into this like black and white and, I was like, wow, if you can be that expressive in animation, and it felt like for a long time, I was just desperate to see animation get back to a place where we could be as expressive as they used to be, you know, as the cartoons, uh, you know, that's not a bad word in my in my life, um, as, as expressive as the films used to be when I was growing up, you know, I loved, and I was so influenced by those movies, and it felt like for a long time, again, kind of what we were talking about before, the technology really made, we were sort of forced to that, okay, films have to have a kind of, you, you kind of have to stay, you pick a, pick a style and you stay with it for the film. But now technology has gotten so nimble and so powerful and so capable that I said, ah, here's my chance because we had a story too that supported, like, what if we had this girl, Gwen, and, you know, often the world, that women in film sort of like the way they're depicted they're the world women are sort of trying to like conform to this world around them and they're sort of having to accept the rules around them but what if the rules of the world actually bent to this girl and mm. the way she felt and her emotions and her, and what's going on with her and what's going on with her internally what if that drove the look of the world and every thought and feeling that she had. I just thought, wouldn't that be amazing if she was sad, if the world could be sad with her yeah. and the world could turn blue or if her father was feeling warmth and was feeling warm and inviting, but she didn't feel it, that her dad would be warm and she would be blue. And what if like she is too strong and proud and to cry, but the walls could cry for her and they could bleed and you could see and, and they could bleed color and 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 you could feel her emotion affect and change the world around her that the world bent to her will not the other way around and i just thought it would be an incredible way to express the the internal dialogue that's going on between gwen and the universe around her so that wasn't in the original screenplay. Like that was a decision that was made like later on in the process. 
It was a decision I made pretty much. I looked at the comic book covers and I said, ah, no, no, let's just do this. And yeah. then everybody's like, well, it can't just look like, you know, it can't just look like a bunch of brushstrokes. I'm like, no, 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 it can. But that goes back to what I was saying before, too, right? About this idea of there's no limitations. Like, let your right. imagination run free. That, like, we can do anything we want within this medium. It feels like... Mm-hmm. The industry is like pushing everybody towards trying to be more real. It's got to look photo real somehow. But right. I, I I find that what made this movie so extraordinary was it was the emotions and the characters that needed to be real. It didn't right. need to be anything else besides that. That's absolutely right. And at the heart of every choice we made, it was what would best help us understand the emotions of our characters. At the heart of every decision, whether it's Miguel's universe, we, you know, where we thought, what what does it mean for a guy who's trying to present himself as in control of everything, but underneath there's like a dark secret, right? So we presented this like shiny, you know, future, uh, you know, future world like shining on the hill, right? And it's and it sort of looks like like concept art from the early '80s, where the blue skies and the white and the white buildings, but then underneath the city, you see there's like this dark underbelly of it but that's just a reflection of of miguel himself yeah and 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 how he it's constantly trying to draw itself as you're moving through space in that world he's trying to constantly live up to this image of himself that he's trying to project into the world you know and spider punk being the ultimate like anarchist not following any rules so we said you know what his animation the rules for his animation the rules for his look he should be able to change his look and you should never be able to tie him down into one look even within a scene even within a sentence even within like a head turn he should be able to like go from one look to another and he and his arm doesn't have to be moving at the same speed or have the same look as his as his chest as his legs and he should be the ultimate because he's there to say to Miles, you don't have to follow the rules that everybody's telling you. You don't have to do things the way everybody's telling you to do them. You can do your just do, do your own thing, write your own story. He's the one guy who's like he has to be the living embodiment of anarchy. So we, we it was always a way to externalize what's going on with our characters that was what made our choices and and how i think when i'm making these these visual choices i'm never thinking about it in terms of what's cool mm-hmm. I, I like i wouldn't make if i you gave me a different script and you gave me a different story i would have made totally different choices sure because i would have different characters but these characters those were the things that i needed to do in order to make you understand who they were and make you understand and feel who they were with your whole body, which yeah. that's what the film does. Absolutely. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Um, I need to ask, this film yeah. holds the record for the longest runtime of an American-made animated film at 140 minutes. Uh, 
were th- was there any concern from anybody's end that this was pushing pushing it a little too far? I mean, sure. Like <laughs> there was there was always not for us the filmmakers, but obviously the studio you know, there's there's a way things have been done for a long time. And right. and and it's very unusual for an animated film to be 140 minutes long. But I think when we started having screenings, you know, even the studio saw that the story was so good and that there was so much reason for the film to be that long. And that also even they could see, uh, even the executives could see that the film didn't feel like 140 minutes. It yeah. races by. And you hardly, you hardly look at the clock. And even I get caught up in it. And I've seen the movie three thousand times. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen every single frame of this movie, like more times than is even I can count. But even I, when I turn it on, you know, catch it on on Netflix, or if I see it in a screening that I'm going to, like every now and then, like I get caught up in it, and I I, I lose track of time. I think our executives realized and and the whole studio, everybody um, and our producers, they all realized that we had made something very special and that what made it so special too, I think, are these long, these scenes that actually get really quiet. Yes, completely agree. The scenes that like get drawn out between mm-hmm. Miles and his mom, yep. between Gwen and 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 miles like sitting there on the clock tower looking out upside down you know this one yeah. <laughs> the one right behind me um you know the, the them looking out across the city thinking about and talking about what the future means for them and where they fit into this wider like crazy multi-dimensional world that they inhabit as spider people as teenagers you know like without the moments to slow down and give the room, give the film the room to breathe like that. I don't think all the crashing and bashing and all the spectacle would have really mattered, honestly. And I think that's the real secret. Um, We were given so much um, trust by the studio. Um, Once we started getting to screenings, they, they, they sort of backed off any kind of hesitance, hesitancy, because they realized like, oh, we really had something and gave us a lot of permission to just keep teasing those things out. Yeah. What was the scene that you would say was the most challenging, uh, really on any level? But what would you say like overall is like the scene that after even 3000 times of looking at it, you look back and you're like, oh, God, that was <laughs> those were those were a rough couple of days or months. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's going to sound a little surprising, but the the most difficult scene for me personally was was the counselor's office. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, I, I know it sounds kind of unexpected, but I'll tell you why. Because mm-hmm. we re, we had to rewrite and redo that scene to get the tone right. It, it yeah. took us forever. It took us forever. And that scene went in and out of the film so many times. We knew we wanted it. We knew how important it is. But trying to get it right, it was it just it, it felt like we were never gonna get it right. And it's such a simple scene. It's just Miles talking to a counselor with his family and they're talking about his future plans. There's so many things being said that are not being said in that scene. And this with the performance and the lighting and everything else that's going on in that. 
believe it or not, we we there was so much hand wringing that we all did over that scene of like what it was trying to set up between Miles's family, Miles's mom and dad, and and their expectations of him, and him wanting to say, "I want to do my own thing. I want. I don't want to." I want to leave Brooklyn and I want to leave home. It, it, it's really setting up the whole movie yeah. and, and them kind of like talking about their, their hopes and dreams for him, you know, and it, it, it's really setting up a lot of things, you know, and it was really hard to get that right. From a technical standpoint, if you want, like, what was the most like visual, visual effectsy kind of, Oh, okay. I'm, crossing my fingers and hopes this works and are yeah. we going to get this right? I would say, um, actually, uh, I- India, like doing Pavithra's dimension mm-hmm. was, uh, I felt like by the string of our teeth, sometimes we, yeah. we, we, that sequence came down to the wire and I was, um, and I was like holding on for dear life, trying to make sure we got it done. And I think by the end of the film, um, Michael Lasker, our visual effects supervisor, and I were in a room and we were just we were just going through that so rapidly. A lot of those scenes I didn't see until final. Like I was like in the DI. I was I was I was I was in like color timing and I was like, oh, here's the scene. I got one take at that and turned out okay you know and 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 that's because we actually re, we and the reason why is because it it wasn't working actually like for a really long time story wise um it's probably you've probably heard it said before but at one point it just wasn't fun and we actually considered like probably only about 6 months before the movie came out we actually considered taking the entire sequence out of the movie Wow! Like, and then, but instead, um, we we brought in a team of Indian writers, and we've got a writers' room together, and with Phil and Chris and Kemp, and they really workshopped, and and all those jokes, um, the chai tea joke, and oh all these God. jokes, all these jokes between Pavithra and Miles, and 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 even like the re- like Pavithra, like sort of his personality meeting punk and his personality meeting miles and sort of teasing like out the gwen and are will they won't they will they won't they that Mm -hmm. all came from that writer's room and we put it all back in and had to rework that sequence but when they when they came out of that writer's room suddenly that scene was our favorite sequence in the movie and and then we knew it had to stay in the movie but now we knew okay now we've got to go redo a bunch of stuff. And so it was definitely worth the juice was worth the squeeze for sure, mm-hmm. because that sequence became one of my favorites in the whole movie for sure. I'm going to ask you a speed round before we uh, wrap up here. No explanations, just short answers. Okay. Character you identify with the most? Uh, it would be probably Jessica. Je- Jessica Drew. <laughs> Favorite joke in the movie? My favorite joke in the movie is probably um, there's a really subtle one. Punk is in Miguel's office mm-hmm. and um, and uh, and the little baby uh, Mayday is running around um, and, and, they're, and they're talking to Miguel and baby Mayday is running around. And and I love the um, and Spider Punk, uh, Hobie Brown says a uh, kid's going to be a kid's an anarchist. 
the fact that he was saying like that kid's an anarchist i thought was great very similar uh type of question but maybe not so favorite line reading that an actor delivered oh um favorite line reading it's probably um jason schwartzman um uh it's a tie between jason schwartzman when he's in the uh when he's talking about the atm and 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 he and he's stealing the atm and he's talking about why do they you know if you think about it they don't really belong to the, yeah atm doesn't really belong to you I'm not, I'm not robbing you that that was all an ad lib that he did and it's oh, so awesome. it's just all i he was cracking us up he was just he would just you just ad lib all that stuff, and we just decided to keep it. Um, second, and, and a tie with that is Haley when she's talking to her father, and at, at, in the second act, and she's going back and she's saying, I, and there's this point where she gets really emotional, and she goes, "I don't know how to do what I'm doing," and and yeah. like, and the walls start crying for her, and she's walking around like this is, and she's just, ba- you know, the, just the pain that she she's able to put behind her voice. Um, I just thought it was amazing. Favorite moment of Daniel Pemberton's amazing score in this movie. Oh, it's it's um, the first time that um, um, Spider-Punk. Uh, sorry, not Spider-Punk. Uh, the first time Hobie. Uh, why am I saying the first time that Miguel appears and you get the. Yeah, yeah. Like. The first time he played that for us, he was like on a Zoom call with us and he's like, hey, guys. What about this? And he had this like weird analog keyboard in front of us, and he just did this weird thing. And I was like, "That is the coolest sound ever!" And 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 he's like, "Oh, really? Cool. I'm gonna use that." And, and so <laughs> and the and the and it became so iconic, and and it it, it makes sense to me because it was the same way for us. The first time we heard it, we're like, "That's it!" And and uh, it became so iconic and i've now seen it memed everywhere all over the internet like for a million different things it's kind of amazing i ran into him at a party and i was like yeah you know uh during falling apart he like stopped me like midway and he's like you're a real one you know the track names <laughs> i was like uh, <laughs> uh he's a great guy he did it he did amazing work on this film he um, is and and he 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 should have i'm he should have yes. been nominated yeah, he should have been nominated I completely agree with you on that. Um, okay. And then uh, as we wrap up here, um, I, I, I I have to ask, um, how are things going with Beyond? Where things are, are going great. <laughs> That's good. Okay. Things All are right, going progress great. Progress is good. You know, we'll yeah, take that. Yeah, progress is great. Do you feel more like pressure given this, the success of this film? It's funny. I, I never want to give into the feeling of, of, to that feeling. It's like, it's just kind of like not really like how it's not really I, I don't I'm sort of immune to that that thing. In fact, and if anything, I probably that's the side of my personality that relates to Hobie Brown, where mm-hmm. I tend to go like, oh, tell me it's hard and I'll show you I can do it. Yeah. Like tell me like like, oh, put pressure on me. Great. I thrive in that. And there and there's a sort of like for me, like the pressure really is not to like I don't feel a pressure that way. I more feel a responsibility and like, yeah. oh, we need to go even further because that's what audiences want. Mm-hmm. And we need to make sure that we deliver on expectations in a way that they really just don't expect. And and that's what we what we and I and that that's like what I love is like, oh cool. You like that? Cool. I've got way more. Like awesome. Like I can't wait. If if you if you thought that was cool, wait. Yeah. 
two and a half hours. We're 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 gonna we're gonna make it happen. Two and a half hour runtime. Yeah. We got a record <laughs> to break, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm really really excited. I honestly, after watching this, I I said to myself, I don't know how they're they're gonna top it, animation wise, story wise, character, the stakes. But I have the utmost confidence uh, and I, your responses today give me that confidence because you guys, I think, are being guided uh, not only by such creative, talented people, but also by this vision to focus on story and character and let that be your guiding principle at the end of the day. So I think that's why this film is great. I think that's why Beyond is going to turn out great. And I congratulate you once again on uh, the recognition you received this award season for this. It was really really deserved i know there's still some time left here but um i'm pulling for you all at the end of the day because I, I really think this film is something truly special thank you matt it means a Absolutely. lot it's all awesome right. talking to you again it's nice yeah. seeing you you as well have a good rest of your day man okay see you matt bye take care hey everyone thank you so much for listening to my interview with the oscar nominated co-director for spider-man across the spider-verse justin k thompson here on the next best picture podcast Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is up for your consideration at this year's Academy Awards for Best Animated Feature Film. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture Podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. But you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you all so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.